Welcome back to Butter With That, a movies podcast where some friends uh, who all used to live in Philadelphia come together uh, to talk about all things movies. I am joined today by Dave, Sam, and Christine. Uh, and from all of us here at Butter With That, we are so thrilled to be a part of the Movie John podcast network, uh, where you can check out so many other terrific podcasts. It's been a while since we shouted them out in the beginning, so I want to make sure we just gave some love to our podcast brethren uh throughout the movie john podcast network uh how's everybody doing we're uh deep in the middle of our love theme so want to check in how's everyone doing as we always you know start our episodes with have you guys watched anything uh interesting compelling terrible we're in a new year so maybe even something new i don't know two things i want to say one, I watched The Menu last weekend with my whole house. Uh, we all really enjoyed it. I thought it was um, very clever. I thought it had, like, it really moved at, a, like, a clipped pace. Great performances. And um, it left me wanting more, which what what can you want more of? Um, and then the second thing is, Dave, did you see Austin Butler won a Golden Globe for Elvis. You know I saw, yes. <laughs> <laughs> As uh, Christine uh, aptly predicted a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Uh, speaking of Golden Globes and menus, I'm going to ask on air, Sam, if you have watched The Bear yet, because the lead <laughs> in this show also won a Glo- Golden Globe, and it is also about a menu and many menus and... I am assuming that you haven't by your facial expression, <laughs> but I haven't. I'm so sorry. It's okay. But if you're, if you're like on the restaurant vibe now, I know the menu is a very specific type of um, food movie, uh, but yeah, please. I think I already said that's what I had watched over break on the podcast, but I still am thinking about the show. Excited! It's going to have a season two. So excited uh, to see how they continue the storylines and just a great performance from I'm gonna I don't remember is Aaron Johnson Taylor White hyphen 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 I can't I can't remember his name but he's great so I highly recommend the Bear Christine. I promise you, by the next time we record, I will at least have watched one episode of this show. And if I don't, what can we have me do? You'll become a uh, a s'more on the menu. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Sounds good. Or, Uh, like, force me to watch a movie. It's a long movie. I'm going to be so sad if you hate this. I don't think Because I, I just, I feel like all the elements of things that I know you like kind of convert, like, as far as, like, storytelling and, like, family, like, driven narratives. So I don't want to build it up too much because there are some things that don't always work in this show, but whatever. I'll leave it for hopefully when you watch at least one episode. <laughs> 
Well, before we got together and started recording, I spent, um, I think it's probably about an hour and a half trying to watch uh, the new Netflix release, uh, 2022 release, pa- The Pale Blue Eyes with Christian Bale, a story in which uh, Edgar Allan Poe is uh, looking into a, a criminal case. That movie's boring as fuck. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to say it, but uh, I, I found it to be extremely tedious and I'm going to finish it, but I'm not looking forward to it. Okay, that's what I watched. I did. I also watched The Pale Blue Eye. And honestly, I was vibing it until probably the, like, third act. Really? It's boring, but, like, everyone looks so good. Like, everyone is tailored so well. The, like, fake snow is just... I was vibing it. The the older officers and their constant reactions to what's going on, it was, it was very funny, and like, obviously, it's not a good movie, but I was really vibing it. And then the movie just goes off the rails. Once Gillian Anderson is introduced, <laughs> the movie just completely derails in actually a pretty hilarious way. I'm so glad you reminded me. I really should keep a letterbox because that was the most recent movie I watched. Has started something new, uh, a new anime, which is kind of rare for me. I only watch a few a year. Uh, and this one's called Vinland Saga. It's on Netflix. Uh, I've started season one. It is a uh, Viking anime set around a thousand AD. Uh, I think you told us about this one. Yeah, did I mention it la- last time we record? Or I guess anyway, um, I think so. Like, yeah, episode ten or eleven. So progressed quite a way through. Binged a few episodes. Uh, very good. Your just traditional revenge story, but it's really cool seeing an anime set in like medieval Europe. Uh, with some pretty great like attention to detail with medieval warfare, actual distinctions between like Viking raiders and actual like the kingdoms of Denmark and Norway, etc. Uh, so some interesting politicking, lots of great side characters, um, which is a lot of fun. So like halfway through season one, so excited to keep going. It's on Netflix. Um, the dub is pretty good, so that's how I've been watching it. Uh, most people online say that the dub is about a, on par. Uh, with the original Japanese. So I'm excited to keep going. And season two just premiered a few weeks ago as a, when this episode releases. So uh, I'll probably just roll right into that too. I don't know if I'd call it an anime, but did you see the Castlevania series? Yeah, I love that. I wa- I that one's really good. I watched uh, the two. Yeah, for, I, would, I would kind of, I would call it like a Western anime uh, for sure. Yeah, it's a little more accurate. But yeah, this has some great violence uh, as you would expect with a Viking anime. Uh, but yeah, I definitely recommend Vinland Saga. And it's just like, it's just something totally different that I wouldn't usually watch. Uh, an anime and then a Viking anime, uh, which is pretty rad. Well, I don't have a great segue from Viking anime into my pick today for love theme. So let's just roll right in. Um, so we are uh, discussing our third film in the love theme. Uh, and my pick today is 2013's Warm Bodies. Dave and I were chatting today, and I realized this is my second pick in a row that is a kind of comedy horror PG-13 movie, and it's also a new movie to me, just like Krampus was a new movie to me when we talked about it. So kind of funny coincidences happening here in 2023. Um, So I watched it for the first time just a few weeks ago. Uh, It's a kind of zombie romance movie that stars Nicholas Holt, Teresa Palmer, uh, Rob Corddry, Dave Franco, and John Malkovich. Uh, and it's based off of a novel by Isaac Marion uh, and directed and written by Jonathan Levine, who's directed some stinkers, which mm-hmm. you don't have 
uh, into, but I was kind of really surprised by this movie. So uh, as a recent convert to enjoying this movie, uh, how about the rest of my butter crew? Are you guys familiar with this uh, Nicholas Holt feature zombie romance movie? Was this uh, almost 10 years or uh, actually it'll be just over 10 years old by the time this episode comes out. Uh, really, February first, twenty thirteen. So, has anybody else seen? Uh, I guess very serendipitous. Just realizing live in the moment. Uh, but has anybody else seen Warm Bodies or is familiar uh, with this? I thought I had seen this movie, but I definitely hadn't once I watched it. <laughs> I had not seen this, but as we were discussing earlier today, Connor, yeah, it's definitely one that I remember a lot of press for. So, um, I, I've definitely seen trailers for it, but had not. Uh, not taking a bite out of it, let's say, until to, uh, recently. There's going to be a lot of puns. Same <laughs> <laughs> happened before. Yeah, I, I actually think I went to the theater to see this for my birthday. So, um, yeah, positive memories. Connor, I have to say, I like this movie so much more than I liked Krampus. So, God bless. Well, that's good to hear. Before we get into initial thoughts, let me just give uh, a quick plot synopsis for folks who are unfamiliar as I was until just a few weeks ago. Uh, So eight years ago, a terrible plague has left the planet's population divided between zombies and humans. Uh, There's an unusual zombie named R. That's kind of all he can remember of his full name. It's just the first letter uh, who's played by Nicholas Holt. Um, who uh, he's along with his walking dead brethren and they attack a group of humans and he shockingly and surprisingly falls in love at first sight with a woman named Julie played by Teresa Palmer. Uh, he actually rescues her after this attack. Julie sees R uh, that he's kind of different from other zombies and the pair embark on an unusual relationship to, sh- uh, to say the least. As their bond grows, R becomes more and more human and a chain of events unfold that could transform the entire lifeless world. Uh, took that straight from Google, adding a few kind of extra bits and pieces here and there. But let's just get into it. What did you guys think on uh, Dave and Christine? I guess let's start with you on your first viewings of Warm Bodies 10 years ago. Let's wind blowing up decade ago. So what do you guys think of Warm Bodies watching it in 2023? I would say um, I liked it. I don't think I loved it. Only be well, for a couple reasons. But one is I just was so distracted because I felt like I was watching Kristen Stewart. I, I like I, the whole time I was like, no, 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 this, this second lead is Kristen Stewart. It's not, I had never heard of Teresa Palmer and no shade to Teresa Palmer. I'm sure she's all, she does a fine job in what she's instructed to do. But I just was like, how is this not Kristen Stewart? So that was just distracting. And I think my own mind just being annoying while I'm watching this movie. <laughs> Um, I had a little of that too, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> it was kind of insane. I was like, I can't not see Kristen Stewart right now. But overall, yeah, I, I I thought that it was it was fine. I really I really like Nicholas Holt a lot, and I actually really enjoyed the voiceover narration, which is I feel like not always utilized well. But his voiceover work is funny. And I feel like adds something, uh, which I was surprised to feel. I think I wanted just mo- a little bit more, I think, from like the world and a little bit more about the zombie transformations. 
And so I think it was enjoyable as like a zombie Romeo and Juliet, like also overcoming differences to find love narrative. Um, but I think I just, I couldn't love it because I, there was more elements to the, to the story and universe that I wanted. I totally get that. And I'm, uh, you brought up a lot of points that I already have listed in my uh, brief notes documents. So I'm excited to dive deeper in the, into those. Dave, how have you felt about your first time going through warm bodies? I have decided that much like the zombies of this world, I am going to embrace my humanity and try to be nice about this. Uh, I didn't dislike this movie, although I think it's 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 an interesting one. Uh, I think this plot is shot through with more holes than a fishnet. I think uh, it's it's world building is very sloppy. But I I also think at the same time that it, it, and it's also kind of uh, as you mentioned at the top, uh, definitely for me another case of a PG thirteen horror comedy which because of its pg-13 rating can't lean into the horror of it uh really at all this is a virtually bloodless zombie movie which i i have my problems with i suppose that having been said i would say that this movie has a very a very committed uh approach and vision both in terms of tone and in terms of execution that I think is really admirable. It's maybe not the kind of tone that I'm as drawn to normally, but I do think salvages a lot of the things that I other fi- otherwise find to be big problems with this movie. So on the whole, a bit of a mixed bag. Yeah, and I think um, I probably won't disagree with a lot of criticisms that get brought up, but I think that there's a few specific moments uh, and choices that I think kind of elevate this and don't really distract me from maybe the things that don't quite work as well, which I'm kind of excited to get into. And you guys can tell me if I'm totally off base when we kind of get to that moment. Uh, But Sam, as a return visitor, was this your second time seeing it after kind of its initial release? And kind of what what, did you think? Tell me. Yeah, it was my second time. And honestly, it's cute. It's fun. I had a great time watching it. There were moments where I laughed no moments where I cried. Uh, there were moments, though, where I got like, why would she do that? And then also, so the big one is, so she's in the car, just driving through the airport and doesn't leave? Like, the fuck? That was infuriating. And then the in- inconsistency with... <laughs> I'm like, God bless all of these actors who had to, like, bend over and like walk weird and do all of that for the whole movie that, that's got to suck and hurt but like nicholas holt uh, he's supposed to be like running like a zombie but then he just like runs like a regular guy and then you know it's it's cute it's not something to think really hard about um it's for fun yeah i think i would agree um with all those points too i think what where Krampus needed to be made by like A24 and rated R in some way. Like there's a version of that movie where I think is a really awesome R-rated movie. Uh, I think that more bodies, I think works in this young adult PG 13, 2010s kind of subgenre, which I kind of abhor, but twilight, I think really broke my brain in like a good way <laughs> of where I feel like I'm more open to these kind of movies that middle school or high school or Connor was just totally shut off. From. And Christine, it's interesting you bring up Kristen Stewart, because I do think Warm Bodies does channel a bit of that Twilight fandom, Twilight energy. Um, while this, I think, movie's totally different in many ways, but I think a similar audience would have, who goes to see Twilight would be interested, Sam, uh, in going to see Warm Bodies as well in 2013. And it is, uh, Christine, as you brought up, 
uh, loosely inspired, even not even inspired is the right word, I would say, uh, you know, embracing some of the themes and the plot points of Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare. And I think while viewed through that lens, kind of gives this movie, for me, it gave it a bit of a fairy tale like quality uh, where I wasn't too concerned with the science of it, uh, with like, you know, well, the whole kind of theme of the movie to spoil it as we do on every movie episode uh, is that love is the ultimate cure for the zombie apocalypse. And this optimistic uh, hope for humanity of building connections is what cures these zombies. I think it's a really wonderful theme to base a movie around, especially, um, you know, as we're sort of starting to leave the pandemic in 2023, we're so incredibly disconnected by so well, the political divides, technology. I just thought it was really nice to have a, a charming, pretty funny, uh, optimistic movie about how love can really save society. And, you know, by embracing our connections with uh, fellow humans, we can really kind of save ourselves and reconnect with our inner humanity. I thought that was a really beautiful message. Um, and more depth and charm than I thought that, um, you know, this movie from what I remember being, God, I don't know, like in eighth grade, ninth grade and seeing advertisements for it and just like, oh, this movie's stupid. So I checked my own expectations watching it uh, and I was really surprised uh, and pretty uh, blown away by the charm that this movie had. Uh, even the goofy moments and the moments that don't work, I think are kind of funny and provide its own kind of entertainment value. So even the parts that don't really work didn't really bother me or I thought were kind of funny. I think, I think you're, you're right, Connor, in, in that it's taking it for, it's not trying to like be more than a light sort of young adult, but also incorporating the zombie, the genre in there. But I think I just wanted something with a little bit more bite, especially when there were little glimmers of it. Where at the end, because you've got you've got three factions. You've got humans, you've got zombies, and then you've got the skeletons. The bonies. <laughs> they the have bonies. Me, Christine. Excuse me. You have bonies. And I thought I think the the most the biggest lull that I uh uttered I was at the end when as the zombies are transforming into humans they rally against the bonies to defeat the bonies. And there is an admission in the voiceover at the end about how it's what fun it is to then share a common, common enemy and then decimate them because the bonies are too far gone to ever possibly be changed. And it's like, it's kind of fucked, but funny. And like, I wish that more moments like that with the like fucked funny, but also romance. I, I wanted a little bit more of that flavor, I think throughout the movie. Cause it, it was like, Ooh, okay. There's this is like a whole other movie here and exploring like change the potential for change. And also like, like uh community identity and like common or like introducing enemies in, in like a zombie world and sort of the politics of it. I, I, I thought could have been like flushed out a little bit more, uh, but anyhow. So you know, I'm, maybe I'm asking too for uh, for too much because it is uh, kind of a nice sort of light movie. But it's there. I guess I would say, can we start with the bonies? The movie kind of does. I mean, like you know, it expresses and frames to us that like um, there are zombies, 
There are zombies, the walking dead that walk around. They used to be alive. And um, even though they, you know, largely communicate, seemingly largely communicate with each other through like incoherent grunts, they have a completely coherent internal monologue. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But at any rate, the bonies is the big thing that, that really, I think, uh, is a stumbling block for this movie. I think because... Not not only because there's so much stuff about them that doesn't make sense to me. Like it's a, it's like a faction that has given up on humanity altogether that are also zombies. So therefore they become like skeletal zombies, but still need to feed on humans for sustenance. So when things turn, these zombies, the 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 non-bony zombies start realizing that like they can return to their humanity and that can heal them, which will in effect turn them back into human beings with a heartbeat. Which is something that the bonies could feed on, but the bonies are pissed off that they're doing it. So what? Also, not for nothing, the bonies look like shit. They're really badly rendered. And like I could I could deal with it if it was like the kind of thing where like and it would it would heighten the horror of it. Like I understand that this movie is supposed to be more like sweet, but it is also a horror comedy. And like there's I feel no dread in this movie at all because I get such a good look at something that looks so shitty immediately. And if you were to like obscure it with like shadow and stuff, then it would be not only more effective in terms of like obscuring how bad it looks, but it would create more menace. But we get such a good look at it right away that the whole time it's just like, well, I'm just looking at, you know, computer characters running around this movie that don't feel very threatening because they don't look very good. And I don't understand what they are or what they want. The moment where there is like a formation of bonies in the stadium and they're just like several rows deep. I lost my fucking mind is the the funniest thing (laughs) i could ever see and i i just like love the idea that um people once they turn into zombies and they lose their hope and they peel off their skin that they suddenly get like superhero like speed (laughs) and agility like what the fuck and and connor asked me to repeat this i said to connor earlier um they get so fast because the skin was holding them back. <laughs> They're more aerodynamic. <laughs> I mean, God, haven't we all been in a position where we just want to peel our own skin off and just like give up on humanity? I don't know. It's kind of relatable. Every day. Yeah. And I think, you know, this movie isn't like, like you said, Connor, this movie isn't trying to necessarily even be a horror movie. Like it, it's definitely more about a kind of like, you know, a broader sense of like empathetic understanding that can heal people across the board. Um, which you can, but to rest the contrast of that on a v- pretty ill-defined and, and very poorly rendered uh, enemy force, I think is a little short-sighted, although, although it doesn't necessarily detract from the sweetness of the movie. So it's it's one of those things where it's like, it's a superficial complaint in a way because it doesn't detract from the tone and feeling that you're supposed to get from this movie. But structurally, it should be a problem because it's the antagonist. So it's it's a weird kind of back and forth in that sense. So if it's okay, if we're not acknowledging that it ever was going to be like a horrific or like a appropriately gruesome zombie movie, we're taking it as like a romance tale. Mm-hmm. I do have some big questions about the elements of what this movie or like how this movie is defining a healthy relationship. <laughs> and maybe it's not its intention is not obviously maybe to define a healthy relationship. But I have 
so many questions about, so when Nicholas Holt, R, his character R, starts eating Dave Franco's brains, former boyfriend of K-Stu, K-Stu lookalike, um, <laughs> what's her character's name? Julia. 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 Oh, ju- of course it is. Oh my God. Of course. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Should be very R. Oh, oh my god! It's all coming together. Wow. Oh man. Was that Dave? Was that a real in the moment reaction? Yes, I didn't. That did not connect at all. Oh, <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> I was this so is... I was so busy picking apart the ponies. I didn't pay attention. <laughs> the Dave, landing in your, the thud of the Romeo and Juliet. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, when we get to the balcony scene, it's pretty all there, but even so. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, okay. So, this movie and the fact, okay, so that R is eating Dave Franco's brains and therefore inheriting his, like, memory and his essence. I had the same qualms with this as I did uh, the classic Return to Me when uh, Minnie Driver receives the heart from Charlie Theron or somebody and then um, David Duchovny falls in love with Minnie Driver, but it's really his ex or really his former wife that died. And so it's like, I'm so confused about what we're supposed to take from like our, inha- like basically inhabiting Dave or Dave Franco inhabiting R. I was very confused by this and like what, what this is telling me. It's also not for nothing exactly the same as Elijah Wood's character in Eternal Sunshine. He's harvesting memories that he can use to influence a relationship Mm. that he's in. It's very weird in that way. So whether I would say, like, how much, I guess, emotional agency does she have? Or, like, also she's kidnapped. Well, I guess she, no, 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 she agrees to go, which, Sam, when you were like, I had so many questions of choices that she makes, um, where she sort of, like, follows the zombies to their lair. I guess she was sort of had no, she had no choice because most of her team had died. R says her name. Right. But just because someone says your name doesn't mean you follow them back to their lair. I think it's number one. (laughs) Stepping in to defend the movie and not that this, this is, you know, I'm not going to do this for everyone, but they do set up with John Malkovich, who's really just kind of phoning it in. I don't really have anything to say about him, unfortunately, because he is a great actor. But there's an intro video as this group is going to scout the city looking for supplies. Also, it's been eight years. How many supplies are left within walking distance of this walled city? That Where are they getting that, any of those supplies? That, that the bonies are the enemies. That they are the every zombie is a bony. They don't talk. They'll just come and eat you. And R comes to save her from the other zombies and says her name Julie because he eats Perry's brain. And so I, I think that was actually a pretty effective setup and payoff of this creature who is inanimate, this other being who she's been taught to other by her father. Actually, there is something a little deeper. And putting his own blood on her kind of covers her human smell to get her past the zombies, which is it's one of the few kind of zombie rules that is consistent in this movie. Yeah, that's also definitely to the movie's credit, because the whole time I'm thinking like, okay, he's instructed her to like walk like a zombie and then she'll blend in. And it's like, 
Well, she could walk like a zombie anywhere she wants in the world then. But it's crucial that he has to smear the old blood. Because, like, when he smears the blood on her at first, I'm like, is that shit? Why is it so dark? But, like... It is really dark. It is. <laughs> and I, at first I thought it was maybe, like, a PG-13 thing where it's like, we can't show that much blood. But it is actually functional. It's like she he has to cloak her scent. Um, so in that sense, she needs him around in order to to navigate the zombie world uh, and blend in in that sense. So to the movie's credit, it does think that through. And, and I think this film has a pretty great inciting incident uh, of where we spend time with R as he's navigating the airport, which is Montreal's airport, which is where they film most of the movie, as he's kind of navigating, shuffling around. And Christina, I agree with you that the internal monologuing, I think, is really effective. That's like a death sentence for so many movies. But I feel like it works really well here, partially because of, I think, Nicholas Holt's just a really great performer and actor. So his um, his physical performance married with this internal monologue, I think, works really well. Um, and we kind of get some insights into him, into what he maybe wants, can't remember, his struggles, his daily life. And then his whole world is interrupted by a heartbeat, by falling in love because of eating Perry's brain. And I think that kind of opens a wonderful conversation of this: the, the zombies, one of their only joys in life is eating brains. And they want to eat brains because they can very briefly relive the memories of the humans whose brains they eat. I don't know if it's a thing in other zombie movies, but that was kind of new to me in the zombie mythos and thought it was kind of interesting. Also hilarious that he keeps Perry's brain in his pocket to get That's hot so on his dreams over the next like week as he like more or less kind of holds her hostage. Um, but I thought in terms of our being our protagonist, the inside the incident of him, this violent action kind of, or I guess he, he sees her falls in love, eats the brain falls more like, I think in his heart beating, I thought was a really great inciting incident and an action that has repercussions for the entire universe that they're in. So I thought it was a really great moment of this one action having a huge ripple effect on the entire zombie community. And I don't think, you know, I'm probably making the movie feel a lot more deeper than it actually is. But I think that's just a testament to this film of there are, I think, these really rich moments of screenwriting, of structure, of thematic um, elements that are kind of buried under wonky, some wonky script moments, characters, and uh, bonies. The thing about the the movie wants though to to like say something about, uh, yeah, overcoming or or like yeah, the you know say something about the problems of like othering people and like you know how love has no bounds and all that. But like, R sees Dave Franco. Perry. Perry. Perry Kelvin. What a name. Um, <laughs> and and uh, annihilates him and then sees. Uh, shot first. Huh? Okay, fine. Whatever. But it's so primal Sorry, and I'll, a I'll hilarious. But it's, but the story is fundamentally so primal in that, like, somebody sees somebody and is like, oh, I'm going to take them down. And then I'm going to, like, basically pursue their uh their loved one and then assume the character of the person that they were with and I, there's something so like in like i feel like this is like an in the animal kingdom the like you know predatory or like the the whatever i feel like there's something so primal and like animal like about the way that this relationship unfolds that that's so funny and i feel like the movie should like 
explore that more as opposed to being like, this is the reflection of a relationship that's going to heal the world, (laughs) which I feel like by the end, the movie like wants to situate these two characters as like the saviors of of humanity and this apocalyptic situation when really it's kind of fucked in a really funny and potentially interesting way uh, in the way it all started. But those are my, my hangups. Can I just say something real quick? Um, I just want to apologize. Once we established the Romeo and Juliet and how deep it went, uh, I completely lost the conversation because I was just looking into um, Perry is Paris. M is Mercutio. Uh, Becomes a nurse. Like Juliet's nurse. I'm I, I, I need to walk this off. <laughs> it's insane. I'm just saying, this movie's got a lot going on. More than it really has any goddamn right. Just because you name characters after characters in Shakespeare plays doesn't suddenly give you extra points. He holds up a bony head at his eye. Yes, Yorick. (laughs) Oh, the Shakespearean bony. So we've kind of covered a lot of bases in the episode so far. But I want, we haven't really, we, we've touched on it, but I kind of want to go deeper. I think this will take us kind of into other areas of the movie. But how do we feel about the progression, the progression of the relationship between Julie and R? R takes Julie to an airplane that's full of knickknacks uh, that he's just kind of taken over the course of, you know, he doesn't know how long he's been dead, but it's been years. Um, and I think there's a lot of kind of really interesting moments as we see uh, and a good amount of the movie is just between Julie and R, kind of here in the beginning, you know, act one going into act two. And so I thought that there were kind of like a lot of really sweet moments um, for a zombie movie. We kind of, I think it's really interesting that R gets a lot of characterization and a lot of personality, which is, I guess, kind of like the point of the movie. And so I guess I just wanted to hear the Buttercruise thoughts on Julie and R's relationship kind of going through the middle of the movie scenes on the airplane kind of just kind of thoughts on the progression of their relationship before R reveals that he did kill Perry, eat his brains and maybe, and that kind of inspired his love for her. So kind of before we get to that moment, any thoughts on the progression of this initial uh, kind of sussing out between the two of them? What do they smell like? Well, R doesn't smell like anything. And that's the big surprise. Is that at the end when he's that's, like, that's when Nora gives R the makeover. She's mm-hmm. like, the weird thing is, is he doesn't even smell like rotting flesh. But I don't well, know. At what that she, point, he is turning around a little bit, though. He's becoming increasingly human. Yeah, true. I, but good question. What does Julie smell like? Because or where does she go to the bathroom? <laughs> because obviously R doesn't have to go to the bathroom probably until he starts turning human. So that's not a problem on the plane, but I did have the thought while she's being kidnapped and held hostage in the airplane. It's such a cutely decorated knickknack airplane, but where is she going to the bathroom? I don't know. But he eats like if he's not like, I don't, I don't care. I, That's truly, actually a good point. It's like his digestive system. What's the situation there? Do zombies poop? Is that the question we're getting to? And also, That's so zombies question, can only of. change and gain back their humanity by eating humans. So it's like the only way. By were, were they just gaining their humanity purely by like a recognition of consciousness? 
Yeah, I think it's more by way of like a conscious yeah. connection to others and stuff. I don't know. I think there was some initial because if R sets it off, the only we I don't know. Oh, I see. So maybe R's transformation happened even before or was the beginning of his transformation even before the movie begins. He sees Julie and then that kind of like inspires this initial interest and then eating Perry's brain kind of for like he he learns her name. And so I think this transformation was beginning before he ate Dave Franco's brain. Was it happening before he even met Julie, though? I think so. I think the fact that he calls M his best friend suggests human connection. Okay. But if that's all it takes to really kick things off, then shouldn't it already have started in a way that would affect multiple of them? Or I I don't know. See, this again is like where the movie is kind of like, this gets a little sloppy. I I don't know. It's a little harder to track than the only way that they could gain their humanity was by chomping on the brains. And I don't know. That's kind of, well, I guess, I guess not because the bonies still eat humans and presumably human brains, but have given up. So I think it's the will to reconnect. However, stifled by being other to zombies that maybe does it. Uh, again, this movie's kind of dealing in abstracts as far as like central plot elements, but it's, I don't know. Mm, So it had to be uh, a conscious individual effort. The Bonies had to want to change. I feel like there's a lot (laughs) to unpack in that. (laughs) The lost cause of the Bonies. (laughs) I don't, I don't want to derail the lost cause of the Bonies. I feel like this is uh, like a, like a civil war book. Um, <laughs> I just, I need to talk about zombie poop. I, Cause now that this was brought up, like I can't think about anything else. How have we never like asked this question before? Cause, it, cause if they're, they're eating people, yeah, they've got it. They've got. And if, if they're just eating and not consuming any of the nutrients, they're not well, digesting. They do. That's like that's the thing. That's what keeps them going, though, right? Like they need to eat humans until they become more human in the end. Right. So I guess it must imply a functioning digestive system. It does. So maybe they process in spite of not all having of a heartbeat. Well, maybe it's because they're missing so many vital organs or like components of their body when they digest. It all goes to the production of cells, and nothing is wasted. But then, how do they become? <laughs> I honestly. <laughs> who gives a shit well you know what maybe there is some some truth to that because at the end when m marcus uh can't open his umbrella and he's like i got a case of the zombie fingers one hilarious two how does he have zombie fingers and r is just like completely fine oh I my god and they're on the balcony at the end too son of a bitch <laughs> i i think we're and I love that we're going this deep. I think that's one of my favorite parts of doing this podcast with you guys is going this deep into movies that don't care to go that deep with these kind of certain issues. Uh, but Sam, I will never not think about zombie poop again. I'm, I can't believe I never thought of it, but I'll never not think about it. That's what I'm saying. One little thing that did, um, I think was, I, I did strike me as a little bit odd is that as R is becoming increasingly human, this is after they've parted ways because he reveals that he um, he killed and ate the brain of um yeah Perry, Perry, Perry Kelvin 
Perry, yes, thank you. Perry Kelvin, Dave Franco's character, her boyfriend. Uh, and they kind of part ways and he's just sort of like, you know, he, he has this realization via the other zombies that like, hey, this is working. We should go fix this. When he breaks into the like human DMZ and like goes past the wall and he's walking around in this place. I understand that he's gained like some of his color back and is maybe a little bit less like like neurologically awkward because it's reviving his ner- his neurological system as he's becoming more human, which of course both science and young Frankenstein has told me it's impossible to do. But uh, while he's walking around this, this backdrop, uh, you see him walking around other humans, like actual humans. And like, I understand that he appears to be a little bit more like a uh, human than his zombie form as this, you know, love and, and connection to other people is like enriching his humanity. But at the same time, it's like he's walking around and like you would think someone would be like if they're especially suspicious of zombies would be like, hey, man, you are you're looking okay, but you're a little bit pale and you're like slowly limping and you're covered in dried blood. Are you maybe a zombie? (laughs) John Malkovich clearly sees right through it. I mean, after he's made over. I I think for me, what and this ties back into more bodies kind of being inspired by Romeo and Juliet. You know, if we think think about the play Twelfth Night where one of the characters dresses up as a, as a man and convinces everybody because it's theater and that's just the story and that's just the way it is. I don't know. For me, it's like, oh, he sneaks in, disguises himself. This is not real life. This is, for, I think for me, it just goes back to that idea and that expectation that I had of like, okay, that just kind of is what it is. And eventually he does get My Fair Lady, uh, which is a pretty great scene. Um, oh, I do love too, yeah, the the setup with that where uh, you get um, Pretty Woman piped in yeah. Until one of the characters is like, hey, this is ridiculous <laughs> and changes the song, which I, I did appreciate that. That's to a nice very song. 2013 song. I was like, oh, my God, what? Like cut copy or something. That that song suddenly took me back to 2013. <laughs> it's like, whoa. I mean, there were some like fun jams throughout the throughout the movie. And like some self-aware genre parody stuff, too. Like one of the big laughs that I got was the joke of like, this blister and rock track set to like these zombies slowly making their way to the city. So that's pretty fun. The major issue I had was where the fuck did they get all this gas from? How are they driving all around town with just a car that can suddenly turn on and unlimited amount of gas? You would think that in this world, gas would be the first resource that would be taken from every single car and used for something else because nobody's going to be driving around in their convertible. Well, clearly they went to a hospital within walking distance eight years after it started and there were still tons of medical supplies there. So, well, and also zombies were all around the airport, so they probably wouldn't go near the airport if that was one of the major zombie infestation areas. You just have to accept that this is one of those post-apocalypse where, uh, like the wasteland itself, there's Gastown or Bullet Farm, and it's just like, <laughs> these these things are still around. Yeah, it, it was like giving me kind of Station Eleven vibes, but me, made me want to like be in the Station Eleven world, which is somewhat more thought out than this world. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Especially with the airplane. I mean, like, that's one of my favorite spooky scenes of all time in Station So scary. Yeah. Uh, One character we haven't really talked about too much yet is his uh, quote-unquote best friend, M, played by, I can never remember his name, uh, Rob Corddry, who I think is just uh, wonderful. And I think he really exemplifies some of the great 
physicality that a lot of these zombie actors bring. Sam, you mentioned kind of being like have to be hunched over the whole time, very specific, deliberate movements. There's even a joke where Julie acts too much like a zombie and has to tone it back. I thought that was a pretty funny moment to try to blend it in like she'd be too obvious. Uh, and they actually trained with Cirque du Soleil in Montreal uh, before filming, uh, which I thought was like kind of cool to uh, get the kind of physicality. And I just thought he was such a, a, a sweet, funny character who's just like cool with being a zombie. Uh, he remembers a little bit of his humanity after they leave the bar. He like raises his hand to pay for the tab. And he's like, oh, wait, don't have to do that anymore. Um, and his confrontation, I thought, was like kind of like heartbreaking of like, dude, why are you doing this? But of course, set to like zombie grunts and a few words here or there, I thought was pretty charming. And how ultimately he rallies the troops. M is really like the hero of the story as R is just like trying to get laid. Uh, M is really, you know, the one who's rallying the zombie community together to come to a common cause to join the, to fight the bonies and then also join the humans in fighting the bony. So I think M's kind of an unsung hero uh, of warm bodies. It's very weird seeing actor Rob Corddry, like in, in, in one or two moments where he's like in like aggressive zombie mode, like doing like the drop jaw, like kind of thing. Cause it's Rob Corddry, but on all other fronts. Yeah, it really works. What's I mean, he's he a really from? like, Oh, he's from a bunch of movies here and there, uh, but uh, most most prominently like The Daily Show or um, Children's Hospital, the Adult Swim show. Right, and a couple of other right. But yeah, he does. He does. You know, he he does uh, play a good like softened version of that as things go on, and I think it's, it's shuffled in really well. Also, Nicholas Holt does a great job. Uh, I think that in general, the way that like the uh, the physicality, the traditional physicality of zombies throughout cinema is not only you know, uh, represented but subverted here uh, is is pretty informed and interesting. Well, I don't think I have too much more to say about Warm Bodies. Uh, do we have any kind of final thoughts on this film? We've covered a lot of ground, uh, a lot of problems, a lot of charming elements. So any kind of final thoughts as we're, uh, I guess, starting to descend uh, this episode? I think this movie makes less sense to me now that we've talked about it. However, I still think that it's it's tone, while not usually what I'm drawn to, and its stick to itiveness of it, um, as applies to the vision for the project at, at large, um, is very winning and and really kind of sees it through to the end. So uh, on that front, I would give it a thumbs up. I would love if anyone could point me to some zombie lore here uh, because like I'm going to be up all night now, like researching this um, would appreciate. Does the walking dead address this? I haven't seen any episodes, but no, they don't. You'd think after like eight seasons, they would address some of the mechanics of like zombie functions. I might recommend Max Brooks's um, zombie survival guide. It's, you know, it's as, as much fiction as any other zombie property, but it, is a really interesting synthesis that considers a lot of things. So that's pretty fun. Well, with that, I say let's wrap up our warm bodies discussion. Thank you so much, Butter Crew, for watching this film and discussing it. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation as the host of this episode. So I hope you listeners enjoyed it as well. If you did, please let us know by sending us an email at butterwiththatpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at butterwiththat and butterwiththat1 on Twitter. Uh, once again, want to give a shout out to the Movie John Podcast Network. 
so happy to be part of the podcasting family. And um, yeah, just be sure to check out all those other fantastic podcasts. Oh, well, uh, with that, have a good whatever and be sure to uh, eat lots of brains to uh, ingest the memories of your friends or enemies. (laughs) And have a good whatever. This has been a Movie John podcast.